Thank you for joining us. You're listening to the Write Project podcast and radio program. This is a show about writing and modern Newfoundland author culture. This program is produced and recorded at CHMR FM 93.5 FM in St. John's, Newfoundland and Labrador, and is aired on other great stations in the province and elsewhere in the country. It can also be heard online at www.chmr.ca. I'm your host, Matthew LeDrew, author of the Infinity series and founder of Engine Books. Let's see what we have today. We have a very special episode today. We are continuing our look into and getting to know the Writers' Alliance of Newfoundland and Labrador, or as they're colloquially known, WANL. This is part of a series where we're interviewing board members, asking them a series of questions, getting their views on things so that writers out there and potential writers out there can get to know who's representing them right now and hopefully get involved in WANL. For the second time, we have on the air again, Kelly Power, the current president. How are you, Madam President? I am well, Matthew. Thank you for having me again. No problem. So I usually try to make these interviews kind of timeless that's the hope then like not ask things about specific events or specific things but i'm gonna shed that a little bit at the start here and and ask you because right now we've we're in the midst of a uh a little pandemic and i'd like to ask how Wannell and you guys are coping with that? How are you guys doing meetings, uh, programs that are available for people from home, possibly? Basically anything that you want to share with the writing community out there and the listening community that Wannell's doing? Well, uh, like everybody, we've, uh, we've shut the office doors um, until such time as we are allowed to reopen them again. And uh, our executive director, Jen Windsor, and member services coordinator, Wendy Rose, are working from home. Um, we're fortunate in that a lot of their work is portable and can be done from home. And we're fortunate in that a lot of the programming and services that we offer um, can be done as a, can be done unimpacted by current isolation quarantine rules and social distancing we did have to cancel the write-ins that we were holding Uh, they were in person at various locations around town and we had to postpone the readings for the poetry league of poets uh, have some funding available to do poetry readings in the Mm -hmm. month of uh, in poetry month so we did have to postpone those as well Uh, i did get news yesterday though that we'll be able to they're they're continuing to let us have the funding. So we're looking at things like how we can hold these types of events online, just like a lot of people are doing right now, online readings, um, online ways of getting groups of people together so that there's still some sense of community and camaraderie and some connection to the organization and to your fellow writers while all this is happening. I, I think there's a perception sometimes that, well, writers, we all are all squirreled away working alone as it is. So maybe it's not such a big impact, but the reality is that a lot of people do attend things like write-ins. They have writing group. Uh, I'm in a writing group besides um, sometimes going to write-ins. And you, you do need that. You can get it online. But something about being face-to-face and, and being together that I think is really supportive. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. So in terms of Wannell's programming, the things that we have that were kind of on the go or we were in the planning stage for when all of this happened. Uh, The manuscript evaluation service is still open. Of course, all of that can be done through 
email contact and, and by phone, the Fresh Fish Award for Emerging Writers. That's still going ahead. Uh, we've got the um, deadline extended to April 30th now. And again, everything gets submitted online. It's uh, The material is given to the jurors by email. We have... Um, We'll probably have to look at some contingency plans around the readings and the actual award event, whether we delay that until such time as we're hopefully all allowed to go out for it again, or if we hold it online, we'll find a way. Yep. And the uh, we have no reason to believe that the book awards won't continue as they have been. Our uh, funders were secured before the pandemic hit, and we're doing outreach with them now to assure them that things are carrying on and uh, to also let them know that in times like this, their support, which is always very welcome, is especially important to writers. Um, you know, some people are suffering loss of income, uh, loss of promotion, while they can't be out doing things like book launches, book signings. Uh, we can do the readings online, but if, uh, say, for example, a funder says, you know, no, we'd rather sit on that, we can no longer offer that uh, service to to members or to, to people in the writing community, and uh, we've been lucky so far that that hasn't happened so yeah it's 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 an interesting time but I, I think you know as opposed to groups like musicians and performers right now are in such dire straits their most of their income is coming in through you know live performances and group activities and things like that and I know people try to do their best using online video but I think as a as a community um not to diminish any loss of income that people are seeing uh, as a writer, but I think we're positioned to be a little bit more agile and flexible. Writers will will see they they are positioned to be more agile and flexible, especially with a lot of the things that that Wannell does. But I think publishers are are bearing down and prepping for a, a big loss in print sales in this quarter obviously and all businesses are that's that's not unique to to us but i'm i'm seeing a lot of them even even now just reaching out for alternative forms of revenue and stuff like that yeah that's one i've been uh, that kind of came on my my radar to look into a little bit um Wannell currently has a survey that it's put out to its members um asking them to well first of all we have a note out that's consistent with the one the Writers Union of Canada put out that people in the writing industry right now should, effective from the time that the pandemic was impacting their work, track your losses, your economic losses as a result of this, because as we move through it and eventually come out the other side of it, whenever that is, um, that information is going to be really important for uh, government funders, um, for everyone to understand exactly what the impact was and to lobby however we can to see if there's remediation we can get uh, for people in the arts community and, and writers as a result of loss of income. So we, we've asked people to do that, but Wannell has also prepared a survey for members um, that's a little less quantitative, a little more qualitative in terms of you know, what things have you had cancelled or will you have cancelled between now and the end of May, whether that's signing launches, um, you know, workshops you were going to hold, that sort of thing. How do you feel it's impacted you? Um, how do you feel like you might have gotten more opportunities as a result of this particular event? I've heard a lot of freelance writers talking about how they've actually gotten more work because there's more writing being done around the pandemic. So we've, uh, we've gone out asking for those things and I found myself wondering if there's something similar we could maybe talk to the publishing industry about 
and how they're they're dealing with it, what the losses are that they're seeing. Is there an opportunity to, to approach it kind of holistically as the writing and publishing industry to, to be able to show people what the impact of this has been? And it, it trickles down. I mean, if, if publishers are seeing it hurt, then anyone who's traditionally published will see that in two to three months when they get their, their royalty check. Their it's inherently connected, you know, it's a symbiotic thing. So I, I, I'd like to have that conversation at some point. On a plus note, uh, ebook sales are doing well. I imagine so, yeah. And yeah. I see a lot of the publishers have had their uh, their ebooks heavily promoted and, you know, doing some discounts on them to, to try and move sales and things. So that's great. Yeah. We have, uh, it'll be announced by the time this comes out, but we're actually uh, prepping a free From the Rock book made up of entries that were greenlit but we didn't have space for in the past. But we're, mm. we're doing a very quick seventh From the Rock book uh, and, and putting it up for free in the print book up online at cost because people need entertainment. Oh, yeah. yeah. Now, now more than ever, I'm imagining that the From the Rock pulp book is probably doing very well. It's just the kind of escapist... Uh, imaginative work that probably resonates with people right now. It is doing very well online. However, if you're interested, I have 350 copies in my <laughs> office right now that, uh, turns out the book launch got cancelled or delayed. I don't know why. Funny. It's almost like something happened and the streets uh, emptied of people and uh, nobody's buying anything except groceries anymore yeah. as physical items almost like i wonder how book sales in essential workplaces are doing like a lot of grocery stores have that big book aisle you know what i mean like now that that's the only spot i wonder how that's going hmm, that's a good question that is a good question i wonder because that tends by and large, there's some exception, but it tends to be more the the big ones. Like that's the the Harper Collins and the like the Harlequins and the stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like that. There's some local stuff there, but it doesn't tend to be like a lot of local stuff. That's true. The other big thing that people are doing, of course, is always going to the gas station. I know they're not driving as much, but uh, there's always the local book. Um, there is Flanker Press has a, a wonderful yeah. one at every Irving right across. But, um, I was going to, you know, say the spinny thing, because yeah, currently I can't think of what the word for that is. The spinner. <laughs> the spinner. Yeah. Uh, Matt, you are asking, too, about um, just getting back to, to the Writers' Alliance, how the board is, um, and staff are communicating, and uh, we just happened to have a board meeting last night, and we did it all through Zoom, and it, it went really well. And I gotta say, it was good to see people's faces. Like Jen and uh, some of the other board members and I have done some some smaller sessions, but we had everybody online last night, and uh, it was good to see the familiar faces. And everybody's got such good ideas and energy and enthusiasm for trying to keep things running and working for for members and for the writing community generally. It was uh, it was uplifting, in amongst all the sort of alone work that we're all doing lately. I know a few members of your board uh, personally. We just put out uh, The Love of Summer by Sarah Thompson and uh, and Laura Lana Dunn's got a book coming out soon. I, I, I know that they all loved being able to see everyone's faces as well. That part of it is probably hardest, the community part. Like, for instance, I've gotten more writing done in the last three weeks than I did in the three months before combined. <laughs> but... I would absolutely give that up to feel uh, a human touch for yeah. literally any reason. Yeah, it's, it's so true. Uh, the idea of hugging people, which, 
you know, it's almost taboo or, you know, of course it's, it's permission granted. We're very sensitive to that kind of stuff these days, but uh, not, not having that with, uh, you know, your folks or your friends and that kind of stuff. It's like, oh, wow. Yeah. You kind of took, like, what do we always do? We always take for granted everything that comes easily. Yes. That, as, as humanity as a rule, we, we tend to do that. Yeah, and I'm lucky. I have my, my hubby here, so I, I can get my hugs in, and uh, I got my big burly dog, so there's there's some cuddling going on, but yeah, you uh, you miss those things. Absolutely. In terms of down-the-road programming, things that we'd be looking at initiating even you know toward the end of the year, again, we're fortunate in uh, that we have things like the mentorship program, which can be conducted remotely yeah. if it needs to be. Uh, we just, uh, we actually got our go ahead from the Canada Council, who's our funder for that program, to hold the mentee readings online as well. Usually we do an event where we have them reading from the piece of work that they were working on. And last year we were able to, uh, perhaps the year before as well, we kind of put the mentors and the mentees together in the same room and it went really well. And, you know, we'll, we'll miss being able to do that kind of interaction, but we're, we're happy that we were able to get the go ahead from them to hold the readings in a different format. And again, trying to get some money into the pockets of, of writers who are suffering a little bit now from perhaps lack of other opportunities. Yeah. Um, we're also looking at, uh, you know, some different options with Word, how we might put that out, um, how we, how early we might start preparing it this year. Yeah, so there's a, there's a whole slate of things that are, are still open to us, online workshops, panels. Um, you know, so I would say to anybody, stay tuned to the website and the social media channels because everybody is still working. Uh, really diligently, and uh, there will be stuff and things to come. It, it's good to know that things are still going along, especially with the with the arts community, where disruption can be, you know, it, it, it can happen. Delays happen even for non-pandemic reasons. For sure, and like I said, my heart goes out to musicians and performers in particular because it's a grinding halt. On a lighter side of things, anecdotally, I've read... No less than 12 short stories in the last few years that were based around one season in Newfoundland and Labrador. Uh, specifically, the one year that we did Double Daylight Savings Time. There's a wonderful short story by Jessica Grant called Double Daylight Savings. It's just this this weird thing Newfoundland tried once in the late 80s. Like, and since then, it's just this fascination. Like, oh, when am I, when chronologically will I set my story? I know, during the summer of Double Daylight, just because it sounds cool and it sounds, it's not like the year was 1987, it's, it was the year of Double Daylight. It sounds artsy to fit it there. How does it feel to be living in a time that you know there's going to be stories written about for the next 30 years? Oh man, it's. Uh, I imagine my mind is doing what most people's minds are doing regularly, which is, what kind of story would I tell about this particular time? What would that look like? So knowing I'm doing it, knowing others are doing it, I'm right on board with you. It's going to be written about forever, just like the snowstorm of 2020, Snowmageddon. That's going to come up again and again. There's been so. There, I was thinking about it the other day. I think as we all are in terms of what are the major events of our time that we've kind of, kind of lived through and. Uh, you know, 9-11 was a big one. Um, you know, I mean, the impact of it on Newfoundland, everybody knows about that and come from away and that kind of thing. Um, but that was another big one. 
so this is huge. I mean, it's unprecedented. Yeah. But I, I've kind of put it in this bundle of things of, wow, like there's been some really interesting stuff. The Berlin Wall came down in my lifetime. It For me too. That was a huge thing for me in my development. Yeah, and of course then the dissolution the of the USSR and that sort of thing. Like That all happened while I've been on the planet. So yeah, I mean, I've kind of, I, I think I've bundled it together amongst some other things right now, but it's going to be, I mean, I think everybody takes a little bit of pride in the kind of, you know, I survived the this, whatever yeah. it is. And, you know, I've given thought to a tattoo to uh, <laughs> c- commemorate the year of 2020. Yeah, 2020 is, um, tw- 2020 needs to be unplugged and plugged back in again. This is this is not a great start. No, it needs a hard reset, man. Mm. And, you know, I think that the thing about this is it, it creates a sense of communal memory about something that, that's always very special, um, whether it's a positive thing or a negative thing. There's always going to be a mix of both, actually. We know that there's lots of positive stories about how people are supporting one another right now and things. Oh, there was a story today about uh, a gentleman dressed as Spider-Man and, and going around the, the, the streets to entertain kids from, from outside while the kids are inside. It was lovely. A friend of mine just happened to be on that street, and she doesn't live there. She just happened to be there when that happened, and... She she took a picture. It just showed up as a as a message. She says, "So this is happening." Yeah. <laughs> so she just happened to be there as that was going on. But yeah, there's this thing like I often say to people, it's interesting that certain parts of your life, um, you can only talk about in particular ways with particular people who were there with you at the time. It's really great if you've got friends now that you were friends with in high school, for example, because you can never quite talk about those cool things that happened to you when you were that age in the same way as you can with the people who were there with you at the time. And if you kind of carry that through different pieces of your life, I think this is another one of those. It happens to be, it's a global thing. I mean, 10 years, 20 years, 50 years from now, you could stop anybody who was alive on the planet at this time and still alive by then and say, do you remember when that happened? And you'll have this shared communal memory of it immediately. That's a touchstone. So in terms of that, I feel like it's a, it's a really... What an incredible community to be a part of, um, no matter how hard and terrible a thing it is that's happening right now. It has the possibility of being a unifying event when possibly as a society we were possibly at our most divided that we've been in the last hundred years. I'm not going to get political and name events or things or anything like that. But I don't think it's a stretch to say that society's been polarized. I'm not trying to silver lining a pandemic or something like that. But this has the potential to unify people in a shared struggle in a way that maybe we need. For sure. I mean, it's it's a generation definer. And and I think it will define a generation of writers in, in a very similar way. Because whether you are directly writing about this particular experience and things that happened during this time, I don't know what it will be, but it will influence people's writings, I think, in very um, unexpected ways, whether it's a, a direct reference to it or it's not the things you want to write about, how you portray them. So that, to me, is an interesting one. And eventually, 20 years out, somebody's going to be looking at that part of our our literary history and uh, doing some research and, and assessment and commentary on it. Absolutely. What I'm curious about is, will it call forward even more of the dystopian vein 
that I think has become my experience of it will be it's prevalent. You have more of a, a bead on that, that genre generally, I would say, but to my mind, it's something that's just surged hugely in popularity in the last 10 to 15 years. So will that double down on it? Or that's, will that's, we see a turn to more hopeful types of writing, uplifting, I don't know. That's interesting because, like, you mentioned 9-11, and I'm seeing an interesting response to this uh, in the fiction that's being um, consumed that's different from that. Uh, like for And by what I mean by that is right now the top trending for the last three weeks thing on Netflix has been a, uh, a movie from a few years back called Contagion. Yes. That scarily mirrors what's happening now. And it there it is not a, like, oh, there's a hero who finds the cure narrative. It is a ensemble story that just tells the story of what happens during a pandemic. And it is frighteningly accurate now in hindsight. Um, the fact that that's... Like, the fact that the most popular thing to watch right now is a fiction that varies closely and scarily mirrors reality is strange to me. Because, like, pre-9-11, it was a very common thing in genre fiction, like, to see, like, Independence Day, like, landmarks being destroyed, like, the, you know, the beam coming down and destroying huge buildings and stuff like that. Big in comic books, like, uh, and stuff like that. But... We, we as a society and a culture lost our taste for that once we saw what that actually looked like. Yeah. Like, once we saw a building crumbling on the evening news, we no longer wanted it in our fiction. Which is why this response, and watching, like, the, that, the Contagion movie online, is interesting to me. Like, it's, it's not good, it's not bad. It makes me tilt my head and look at it sideways and go, what? Well, you know, I, I think a, a further interesting comment on that is the fact that if it's not number two, that sounds really funny when I say it out loud, if it's not ranked number two right now, it might have even bumped Contagion out, is the uh, is it Tiger King? Yes. <laughs> the the, the uh, series, which That at least is... makes more sense because it's new. Like, well, that's, that's a new series. <laughs> Yeah, but I, yes, where I was going with that was it's, and you can bleep me out after, but it's bad crazy uh, what's going on in that, that particular series. I, I think people are doing things, I think it's a, it's a show that some people are deep diving, like show me the show me the extent of the pain, and then other people are like, what's the furthest thing I could get away from the reality of what's happening outside my door right now? I'm with you. I find it curious that some people want to really dig in there and, and probe the plague. And I'm sure zombie movies are getting really popular, too. They've always been popular, but I bet you they're probably having a little bit of a resurgence there as well, amongst the same people who want to watch Contagion. Hmm. But then you've got, I think you've got a parallel set of things happening. The deep dive and the absolutely shut out the reality of what this is. I'm living it every day, and when I consume my media, I, I don't want it to be that. And, and there you got Tiger King. And again, like going back to the same parallels. So um, pre nine eleven, got I sound so. I mean, nine eleven was almost twenty years ago now. I feel so old saying that. But um, like pre nine eleven, there was this weird, in retrospect, thing in comic books 
where um, characters would be called terrorists and yet would be seen as redeemable. Uh, and post 9/11, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't see that as much um, for obvious reasons. Like for uh, example, Mystique, the character from X Men that's all blue and can transform into everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was always referred to as a terrorist before 9-11. And then they just stopped doing that because, yeah, this is a popular media character that stars in a bunch of blockbusters and we don't want that association. Um, yeah, but, like, so I'm interested to see... That's one brief example, but a lot of fiction changed after that big worldwide event. We saw a lot more, like... Um, like gritty films and a lot more like like you know what I mean like people like do, yeah. real world threats kind of thing. Um, I'm interested to see how this impacts dystopian fiction. I'm interested to see what happens to um like the the genre. I'm I'm interested to see like now that we know that people don't roam the countryside in weird gangs like in Mad Max that they mostly just stay at home and you know are scared but try not to leave the house very much. How how does that impact fiction? You know what you I mean, mean? You mean they're not roving like bands of hordes of uh Bemetalled and uh, rocked up music, Mad Maxians right now. No, n- yeah, right yet. now they yet. may be in a year. We'll see what happens. I- I'm starting to go stir crazy, so Lord help me. Lord knows what'll happen if I'm just like, yeah, like, you know what? Let's turn on the rock music, blast around town in my car, and just yeah, shoot flamethrowers out of a guitar. Why not? Why not? Yeah. Get, wear a skull mask. Why not? I just want to see one thing in, like, one dystopian future where that's the reason that the bad guys do what they do. They're just like, why not? Why not? The world is over. Life expectancy is 25. Please explain to me why not. Why should I not do this? Yeah. I think you're right. It's, uh, you know, I I hesitate to say this because it's just anecdotally my own experience, but I found movies for example over the last little while a lot of my reading over the last little while um has been kind of i'll call it back catalog so i haven't been aside for from a few exceptions i haven't been reading enough current things to kind of track it through through books but through movies everything is so dark yeah and 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 like you say it's like hyper hyper gritty or dramatized like the the drama drama of it is so oh it's like god i can't i just i can't but at the same time there's so many poor comedies being made there there continue to be many put out but to find a really good comedy and i don't know if that's budgets or if it's writing or if it's the type of comedy it is it's just well you know you know you get older and uh, what you find funny is is different uh, <laughs> i'm think, not sure i think that's a case of like the industry is is slow to retire people like not to throw shade on adam sandler but adam sandler like mm. like do we need 
a 40th weird by the numbers not funny Adam Sandler movie or should that release date go to a new up and coming comedian you know what I mean that's very true because if you think about the the kind of group that was Steve Carell um, Judd Apatow Seth Rogen um, there'd be uh, Jason Siegel. there's a pack of movies that they did almost all of which I found hilarious and that was a, a new grouping and coupling of of people and talents and type of humor yeah and it did very well so that's that's a that's a great insight that it's perhaps the over exercising of a particular like everything becomes a trope yeah. um it, you know personalities and their styles become tropish in a way well kelly uh thank you so much kelly power again madam president for coming on to the right project podcast it's really good to know that wannell is in and the writers community in general is in as safe hands as it can be during all of this well thank you for saying so and uh like i said people should keep checking the website and keep checking our social media channels to see exactly what we're up to because we uh, we're putting everything as it happens out there Excellent. thanks for having me matt no problem thank you all right well thanks for coming on again for all of you we'll be here again next week at 4 30 newfoundland time or online at chmr.ca please tune in and we'll talk more about writing culture in newfoundland